Welcome back to Real Old Reels this week. I have two very exciting pieces of news for this episode. First of all, my sister Lisa is really, really close to having a baby or is having a baby or has had a baby by the time this episode goes live. She's more than deserving of some time to relax, so she won't be joining me today, but don't worry. The second piece of good news is I've invited a very special substitute host to help me out this time. Chris, why don't you say hello? Uh, hi there, Robin. Thanks so much for uh, having me on your podcast. It's really great to work with you again. Yeah, thanks for coming. Back in the olden days, Chris and I had another movie podcast, and it was super fun to do together. Chris is a fountain of movie knowledge, <laughs> basically the encyclopedia for movies. And I remember just having these awesome discussions about him with more modern movies, though. And man, that was forever ago. Well, it, and I even remember uh, our show back then was, it, you know, um, it was kind of blending the two things that we were into in regards to movie, right? You know, uh, it was called The Movie Vault. And I believe I would kind of bring in the whatever the new movie that was coming out. And then you would bring in uh, an older classic movie that kind of, you know, maybe paired with the new movie in some yeah. way. So that was cool. Uh, but that was like, yeah, almost 15 years ago, back when we were <laughs> in the uh, journalism program in college together. And those were pretty fun times. Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, we made a really great team. And that was super fun. Thank you so much for helping out with the podcast, Chris. You're definitely still a movie guru, but how do you feel about classic movies? Well, I have seen a lot of movies over the year, uh, over the years, but I must admit that um, classic movies are a bit of a weak area for me. Um, so I've seen a lot of the must-see classic movies, you know, the ones that everyone's seen wizard of oz it's a wonderful life yeah um this, the kind of stuff i would i saw in film school uh because i minored in film uh so citizen kane and and a lot of things like that but there's a lot of other classic films that i've really never seen before including the one that we watched this week uh so you know thanks so much for giving me a chance to kind of expand my movie horizons I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this week's movie, which is all about Eve starring Betty Davis. I've read quite a bit, actually, about Betty Davis's life, and she is just an amazing, crazy film star. She had grit and talent and fought hard to get basically to the top. All About Eve struck me as actually somewhat autobiographical. Yeah. So why don't we jump into what the movie is about? The film opens at an awards ceremony where you immediately meet the lineup of main cast members. Eve, a well-spoken, gracious recipient of a great award in theater, is being applauded by all except a small select group of stuffy characters. Okay. Why would anyone have anything bad to say against such a fresh-faced ingenue? Hang tight as we go back in time to how they first met Eve on the streets outside a New York theater an adoring fan of Margot Channing, played by Betty Davis. Eve is positively starstruck meeting her favorite stage actress. Margot finds the fangirl endearing and sort of takes her under her wing. And things are pretty great at first. Eve's a whiz at getting her life organized and showing real initiative. But slowly, Margot gets the feeling something's not quite right. Perhaps it's the way 
Eve reads her mind and takes care of things before Margot even thinks of it. I'm on my way. Is there anything more you've thought of? Where's that script to take back to the guild? I've got it. And those checks or whatever it is for the income tax man. Right here. And it seems I can't think of a thing you haven't thought of. That's my job. Or perhaps it's that she subtly takes over tasks intended for the housekeeper. Or maybe it's that Eve has been writing letters to Margot's longtime boyfriend while he's out of town. Add to the drama that Margot is now 40 and feeling her time in the limelight is drawing to a close. She's playing roles far too young for herself. And here comes Eve, who is teeming with potential, self-deprecating though she may be. No one can believe there's anything wrong with Eve. She's just too sweet. And Margot, everyone knows, is anything but. High-strung, demanding, and accusing, Margot has a hard time convincing her friends that Eve isn't all she appears to be. Watching, you may not be sure yourself who is more to blame. Is it self-centered Margot who pushes everyone she loves away, or unassuming Eve who, whose touch turns everything to gold? This week was my very first time seeing All About Eve, and I already kind of knew the plot, and I've heard about it so many times, so I was very excited about seeing it and seeing if it lived up to its fame. I want to know what you thought of this movie, Chris. Absolutely. Well, um, this is also my first time seeing All About Eve, but I know I've heard the name tossed around for a very long time, so you know its reputation precedes it. Uh, looked things up, uh, you know, as as I was watching, I there, there were definitely things that I would, you know, things that would spark curiosity in me, and so I had to look things up. Uh, I found that out that this movie did win Best Picture at the Oscars in 1950. It obviously made an impact in its own day, uh, and the reason I've probably heard about it is it's been talked about for a long time as a Best Picture winner. You know, one other thing I I thought of while watching it is uh, there's a lot of movies that have one best picture that are somewhat something about like Hollywood filmmaking or theater or something in that vein. And it kind of just goes to show that I think a lot of Hollywood people like to, they like movies that tell a story about what they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Know? Thank you. Yes. I completely agree. And it's a pet peeve of mine. I might even have mentioned it at a previous episode shows about show business. <laughs> Yep, shows about show business. I think most most recently, I, I the ones I can think of are like the artist anyway. singing in the rain, singing in the rain. Yep. No, there's tons, and some can do it pretty well, and it's not, you know, but sometimes yeah, it's, it's not that they're necessarily bad movies. Not, I mean, there's a lot of really great movies about show business. You know, mm-hmm. it's just that it, it you can kind of see a little bit of the bias there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they like to pat themselves on the back for 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 the amazing work they do. So yep. um, <laughs> for living the artist's life. Yes. But yeah. don't we love it? Yeah. Uh, we, we love watching the movies. So yeah, there were a lot of actors I recognized um, while watching this movie. The first thing that really stood out to me was um, the voice of the pretentious and condescending theater critic, Addison DeWitt played by George Sanders. I've never seen him in a movie before, but I could swear I recognized his voice. Uh, looking it up on IMDb, Showed me why. Uh, he is the voice of the villainous tiger, Shere Khan, in Disney's The Jungle Book. Oh, yes, you're right. I mean, I think my subconscious picked up on that. But yes, yes, you're right. 
How funny. That I should want you at all suddenly strikes me as the height of improbability. But that in itself is probably the reason. You're an improbable person, Eve, and so am I. We have that in common. Also a contempt for humanity, an inability to love and be loved, insatiable ambition and talent. We deserve each other. I also recognized the actress playing Bertie, the housekeeper. Uh, her voice and her face just stood out to me. Uh, and um, I quickly realized that, okay, so first of all, she's played by an actress named Thelma Ritter. Uh, and I know her from her small role that she had in Miracle on 34th Street, a movie I've seen a billion times. Um, she's the astonished mother who can't believe that the Santa Claus at Macy's is recommending that she visit a different store uh, to find a toy for her son. Yes. Actually, Mir- Miracle on 34th Street, she was, a, she was a walk-in. It was kind of a coincidence. I think she might have been married to a cast or uh, somebody. It was her first role ever. And then she acted after that. Kind of cool. That's oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Um, I also saw while looking on IMDb that she was Stella in Rear Window. So that's another place I've seen her. Yeah, she's one of those side characters that makes an impression wherever she goes. Mm-hmm. She definitely, she's a great uh, character actress, right? Yeah. You don't like Eve, do you? You want an argument or an answer? An answer. No. Why not? Now you want an argument. She works hard. Night and day. She's loyal and efficient. Like an agent with only one client. She thinks only of me. Doesn't she? Well, let's say she thinks only about you anyway. The, this movie was also a very early role for Marilyn Monroe. Uh, so I'm obviously I recognized yeah. her in it. Um, and in fact, it's kind of funny because I was thinking as I was watching her performance in this film, I was thinking, wow, she's probably experiencing the real life version of All About Eve right now at this very moment. Because, you know, she's this young star on the rise and uh, um, trying to make her way into uh, Hollywood. Um, Absolutely. And so, yeah. And only a few years after this, she would, uh, she would be starring in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Yeah. I think you're right. I think timeline-wise, that matches up for sure. She's She wasn't, you know, the most talented actress, but she was gorgeous and she fought really hard to get where she was. So I would say that's probably spot on. Mm-hmm. She's going through the, the hoops right then. You see that man? That's Max Fabian, the producer. Now go and do yourself some good. Why do they always look like unhappy rabbits? Because that's what they are. I'm going to make him happy. In a funny way, uh, even though I recognized all these other um, uh, actors and actresses, the main character of this movie, the lead star, uh, Betty Davis, I really haven't seen her in any other films. I, I looked through her uh, list of, um, of films on IMDb, and uh, I, I can't remember watching any other film with her. But of course, I've heard her name before. Uh, there's this famous song from the 80s called Betty Davis Eyes mm-hmm. uh, by Kim Carnes. And, and, you know, I always knew that there was, uh, you know, that she was a famous person. But I, I could never before this moment tell you that I'd seen a movie with her. But I, I did really enjoy her performance. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a reason why she was a, a star. And um, 
had a, had a very long career. Also, uh, during the film, she delivers this very famous phrase. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Um, which is often actually misquoted as fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Mm. I think that's what I, I tend to hear people say. Yeah. Um, I looked up the origin of that phrase when I heard it because I was like, wait a second. Did that phrase come from this movie? And or Lo are, and they, behold. Just, or are yeah. they just using it? You know, like, a, are they just using it in the movie? No, it is from this movie. Yeah, uh, that, that that's where this phrase came from. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I love Betty Davis, even though she's, I don't think we would be friends if we were to ever meet. I think she's really good in just about everything I've seen her in. So as far as the uh, plot of the movie goes, um, while watching it, I kept waiting for this twist. I I was expecting Eve to turn out to have some ulterior motives. Um, but as much as I really wanted to not trust her, she seemed so sincere throughout the whole movie in her adoration of of uh, Margot played by uh, um, Betty Davis. And, and, you know, even for a moment there, I thought maybe I might be wrong about her. <laughs> maybe yeah. this film isn't going to do that twist that I thought it was going to do. She is very convincing. Mm-hmm. She does a great job too. The, the actress you're talking about who plays Eve is Ann Baxter, who also was nominated for uh, best actress uh, Academy award. Well, I think one of the things that, uh, that she does with her characters every time um, you see her, she's whether she's talking, no matter who she's talking to, whichever other actor she's talking to, it's always um, the same story, right? You never see like this background scene where she is like plotting something or anything, you know? Um, so for all you know, and for all the movie shows you, she's totally sincere. And I'll agree that the man or woman who accepts those terms can't be ordinary can't be just someone to give so much for almost always so little so little so little did you say why if there's nothing else there's applause i've listened backstage to people applaud it's like like waves of love coming over the footlights and wrapping you up but then of course you know eventually the, the tone of the movie shifts a little bit and uh they start directing some um, some suspicion towards uh, towards her character. Um, at a mo- just to, uh, you know, my specialty is bringing in modern day movies. Uh, so uh, one of the, some of the movies I was thinking of uh, were the talented Mr. Ripley uh, or Single White Female. Both of the both of which are are much more in the kind of thriller genre. Right. Um, but. I was getting some of those same vibes from this movie where it's like, there's this real sycophantic admirer who, who just loves this person, but they kind of go crazy and go off the deep end. And then in, in, instead of just loving the person, they try to replace that person and mm-hmm. become that person. Um, and I was kind of getting some of those vibes from uh, all about Eve. Yes, it is not, a romantic comedy it's very much it's it's a drama but it's also a bit of a like a like a suspense almost that you feel it's it's very tense yes there's definitely a tension throughout the the whole film and speaking of tension one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is a confrontation between the theater critic um addison 
and Eve uh, when he calls her out and reveals what he knows about her and essentially is like blackmailing her. It was so um, satisfying. <laughs> yes, it is that moment where you're just like, yes, someone's <laughs> finally figured it out, right? <laughs> San Francisco has no Schubert Theater. You've never been to San Francisco. That was a stupid lie, easy to expose, not worthy of you. I had to get in to meet Margot. I had to say something, be somebody, make her like me. And she did like you. She helped and trusted you. You paid her back by trying to take Bill away. <laughs> Um, and the acting, of course, was superb. And during that whole scene, you know, more than any other, I was just like, I couldn't look away. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. um, so that was an excellent, excellent moment in the film. I love that scene, too. It was where everything kind of came to a head. Did you have another scene that you also liked? Yes, I really love the final scene. Um, so, you know, after all said and done and Eve has achieved her her fame, now she comes into her room and there's this new girl there uh, who is also who is now idolizing Eve uh, as, as the great uh, theater star. Um, and this new girl starts to follow the same pattern that Eve did. Um, and this is demonstrating one of those main themes of the film, which is to show us the kind of ephemeral nature of Hollywood fame and how obtaining stardom can be a very fleeting achievement. It quickly vanishes. Because mm -hmm. uh, there's always some new fresh-faced performer ready to take your place at the top. Um, some, you know, there's a lot of jockeying for position in, in Hollywood and in theater, and, and you know, before yeah. you know it, <laughs> you, you you're on top, and then uh, and just, then you your know, yesterday's news. Your yesterday's mm -hmm. news. Yep. For sure. Um, and so, in the very final moment, uh, this new girl picks up one of. Um, Eve's, I guess, nightgowns or uh, evening gowns or something, and is, uh, or I, maybe it's, I think actually it's one of like her fur coats. Yeah, I think it's a cloak, uh, very so fancy. She, exactly, looking very, very elegant and and fancy in this cloak, and she looks at herself in the mirror, and you can see her just imagining herself bowing to her adoring mm -hmm. fans and getting these accolades. And also, I thought it was really a cool visual image because, um, on one hand, you could have in interpreted it as you know, thousands of adoring fans. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing I thought was it's saying she is now going to be the next star or performer to be chasing after Eve in her position. Right. But then look at look in the mirror at it's never going to end. There's mm -hmm. always going to be these new ones, right? And and so it's like this it, the visual image of seeing all those different copies of her is a visual representation that this is never going to end. It's just going to keep on going and repeating over and over again. That is interesting that there's a few ways to look at it. And the ultimate feeling is just unsettlement. <laughs> when you see it, you're just like, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I, that's actually one of my favorite things about the film is that it, it, it does leave you a little bit like unsettled at the end. Yeah. Um, like any good, uh, some any good scary story or or a cautionary tale yeah it should it should leave you feeling a little bit like ooh, that's kind of creepy you know it yeah it is an interesting because it's not scary it's not like spooky or anything like that right but it does yeah it kind of creeps you out a little bit for my part i was surprised how much i liked it i had already heard the plot before like i already said and so i kind of knew a little bit what to expect but the execution was not tired feeling in the least. 
the script, I don't know if you noticed, was just so clever. And even though I know some pretty dark details about Betty Davis's life, I can't help but just loving her in this film. She won me over completely. And Anne Baxter, who plays Eve, like we talked about, she just takes you for a ride. Like you said, like, even knowing what was going to happen somewhat, I was still in doubt of what I knew. She played her part so perfectly. So now I just want to talk about a little bit of trivia about it, just to make it a little more enjoyable. The first interesting bit of trivia that is quite the coincidence is that Claudette Colbert was to star as Margot in All About Eve. And just last week, actually, Lisa and I covered It Happened One Night, which is the biggest movie that she starred in. It's a huge one for her. Hollywood is a very small world. It turns out the more movies we do, we find all these different crossovers. Though she would have given her own special flavor to the film, I'm sure she had an injured back, so she was unavailable. Although you'll be thoroughly entertained by the great deliveries by an all-star cast, we have to mention Joseph Mankiewicz, the writer and director of All About Eve. So he had a reputation for meticulous lines. He was just very good about that. And by this time, he had worked up enough clout to also direct the films that he he wrote. Just prior to filming All About Eve and directing it, he had been warned by a colleague that Betty Davis would be a huge mistake. His colleague said, Dear boy, have you gone mad? This woman will destroy you. She will ground you down to fine powder, then blow you away. You are a writer, dear boy. She will come to the stage with a thick pad of long yellow paper and pencils. And then she, not you, will direct. Mark my words. This guy was also British, by the way. I don't, I don't do accents well. You're not so. going to break out your British accent there? I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to insult <laughs> the British with my attempt, so... Anyway, <laughs> probably probably safer. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, Betty Davis and Mankiewicz, they actually got along swimmingly, to tell the truth, because his writing was so great. She had often corrected other people's uh, or edited other people's scripts, but she didn't find the need for him because he was just very good at it. I had no idea that um, Betty Davis had a such a, a reputation oh, as a she difficult was... uh, person to work with. She was a renowned prob problematic actress, which I think is the polite way of saying what she was. I think there's a a different word people often use for her. But um, her co-star, who played Karen, Margot's best friend, entered onto the set on the first day and cheerily wished Betty good morning. But Betty rolled her eyes and turned up her nose to the actress's good manners. And they never spoke again while out of character, not a single time. So she's temperamental to say the least sounds like an interesting person to work with the actress yeah. who played eve and baxter had a, a different experience with her it, it almost a too perfect interaction for someone who was playing eve because betty davis by way of greeting and baxter every day would like just simply hiss at her in an intimidating way but Anne baxter kind of spun it like it was just sort of their inside joke and they got along great <laughs> she said such Seems like such an Eve move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so spin it, it that like way. It's kind of hard to, to know what's true in that story, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm very was... suspicious of her <laughs> just from that part. Yep. Yeah. Because, yeah, was Ann Baxter just saying that just to make it sound like she was good friends with Betty Davis? Yeah. 
And she actually had one last notable backstage relationship, which um, was with her romantic co-star, Gary Merrill. The last thing Betty Davis at the time expected to get from this acting gig was a new chapter in her life, but um, because she was just coming out of a very ugly divorce. But when Meryl and Davis's eyes met on the first day of shooting, it was as if neither of them cared if the rest of the cast lived or died. They were completely besotted with each other, and their on-screen chemistry is unmistakable. And I think that is another thing that surprised me. It was very convincing, and you really do root for them, even though they obviously have problems. So uh, even though we wouldn't maybe classify this movie as a uh, romantic comedy there was a romance going on behind the scene. Yeah. So they ended up actually marrying after All About Eve. And they had an idyllic cottage on the coast of Maine where Betty Davis demanded the entire household, including her children, servants, and guests, to what well, we used to call polar dip every morning. And the water in Maine is never too warm, even on the sunniest days. But it was, in Betty's mind, the cure for the common cold. So she was kind of swept into this natural role as the stoning wife to Gary that she, and she wanted to be as self-sufficient as possible from that property that they had in Maine. And so she gardened and they fished and dug for clams. And she even made a labor intensive seaweed gelatin that she guzzled down for its miraculous nutritional properties, but no one else could tolerate it. I mean, no surprise there. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> but you know, she was temperamental, as we've said. And so it came in spurts and her industry was, you know, up and down as, as her mood. And so she had servants to help keep things going when she lost interest or times got bad. And there was there were some good times, but sadly, the relationship, it didn't last too long. Betty Davis's daughter would later write that they had fallen in love and married their characters from All About Eve. But ultimately, their marriage was a mess. Gary was violent and Betty was virulent and the marriage just fell apart. But let's get back to All About Eve. It's it's a drama about the theater and especially the women's issues of aging out of the best kinds of roles, which is still a challenge today, of course. But the film kind of shines a light on a, a devious light on the issue that it's an underhanded cutthroat business, not for the faint of heart. One thing you might notice, I don't know if you noticed this, Chris, but one thing m missing from the film is that it has a complete lack of scenes of the actresses actually doing any acting on the stage as their roles. And at first I thought maybe that was just, it was just lazy, but I think the implication is that all the best acting and all the drama happens offstage. And then that, that's an interesting take on it. Uh, I did happen to notice that uh, it was never showing us the actual mm -hmm. onstage acting. Also, one one thing I was thinking about that is that maybe by by just talking about how amazing the actors are, but not showing you, it mm -hmm. leaves it up to your own imagination to think about how amazing they must be. It's that kind of that kind of thing of like it. It might actually be better not to show it and just like leave it up to the audience's imagination. Yeah, for sure. Because you can, they can be as amazing as, as you can imagine, as long as you don't see it. <laughs> yep. One thing, fun, funny thing that occurred to me while watching this is how the film makes you really feel like Eve is the intruder, and how how dare she aspire to anything beyond what she is, and how dare she threaten Margot's career, 
And while watching it, I did find it funny how emotionally I approved of the theater career gatekeeping carried out by her theater friends. Margot and her friends were good. Eve is bad. However, by the end, you ask yourself, why? What What makes Eve any worse than Margot and her friends? It's, it's the circle of theater backstabbing. So they're really, just because Margot is the one who's suffering at the time, it doesn't really mean she didn't do the same things that Eve did to get to the top. One last piece of trivia is as, as you mentioned before, the film was nominated for several Oscars, including for Best Actress, but um, actually two of the actresses, both Anne Baxter and Betty Davis, were nominated for Best Actress, but they both lost to Born Yesterday's leading actress, Judy Holiday. And I actually took it upon myself to watch that one as well because we covered one of her musicals in an earlier episode, and she's super adorable and hilarious. So it wasn't a horrible movie. I was surprised it won. It's not in the same league at all as All About Eve. But there is some explanation as to what happened with that decision. I think, first of all, Oscars are hardly unbiased. They are, no shock, politically motivated decisions. Furthermore, Betty Davis and Ann Baxter were both nominated for the award. So maybe they were just trying to avoid a... A glamorous epic cat break. <laughs> Better just to let both of them lose. So right. <laughs> neither of them could hold it over the other. Exactly. So they went with the benign option and they awarded an unknown. And this is considered one of the big Academy Awards upsets in Hollywood history. And you might think that volatile Betty Davis would have had a fit finding that out because she fully expected to win. However, she fully endorsed the decision and was relieved that new blood was being recognized. So you got to give her credit for that. So all in all, great movie. Definitely lived up to its reputation of being a good movie that entertains even today. I'm finally, I'm glad I finally got to see it. Yeah, me too. Um, I think especially if you're, um, you know, interested in kind of exploring Oscar history and seeing where, you know, which kind what kind of films won in Oscar past, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, I was very uh, happy for the chance to watch it and uh, discuss it with you today. Thank you so much for discussing it with me, Chris. And next week is the episode I've been waiting for since the beginning of this of Real Old Reels. I adore this movie. It never fails to cheer me up. And I know you haven't seen it, Chris, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about it. This is this coming movie is an Ernst Lubitsch classic, To Be or Not To Be. And so don't forget to come back next week and be sure to check it out. Thanks for listening. Thank you.